Hey everybody, this is Brendan Gersall and you are listening to the Speaking Of Podcast. Today, you are in for a treat. We are doing a mini-series called The Old Ways for New Days, where we're looking at different spiritual practices to help us as we follow Jesus in 2020. And I am going to read for you, for the first part of this podcast, an article I wrote on the practice of solitude. And I hope it's helpful to you. If you've already read it on my website, you can go ahead and skip ahead because the second part of this podcast is a conversation I have with a good friend of mine, AJ Plasier, a pastor in Southern Nova Scotia at Yarmouth Wesleyan Church, a longtime, lifelong friend, no stranger to the show. So that's a great conversation I have. So here it is. This is Solitude and my conversation with AJ Plasier. Let's play the quiet game. I can't describe to you how many times I heard my father calmly say those words as he drove us from point A to point B in our family Ford Aerostar. If you're not familiar with the family classic, The Quiet Game, it's a riveting competition where all the kids in the vehicle who were previously having competition as to who can be the loudest and most obnoxious are competing to see who can stay quiet the longest without breaking the silence. If you make a noise, you lose. That's how the game works. As you can probably imagine, the riveting allure of this game wears off quickly, especially when the kids realize that first, this game is in no way fun, and second, this is just a trick played by your dad who just wanted the kids to shut it for a few minutes. This trick did not work for long on my siblings and me, and funny enough, the game had about as much staying power with my kids when I, like my father before me, tried it on them. Let's face it, most of us just aren't comfortable with silence. Isn't it ironic that silence, for most of us, although it is quiet on our ears, is far often loud for our souls. There is something truly unsettling about silence. It can be uncomfortable, off-putting, make us uneasy and even anxious. It's in the silence where we really start to feel alone. It's in the silence where we really start to feel exposed and vulnerable. It's in the silence that the distractions we employ, the medications we use, and the white noises we fill our lives with dissipate, and we're simply left alone with ourselves, alone with our fears, our failures, our burdens, our dark intentions, regrets, anxiety. Silence is the raw, real space in life where pretension and distraction no longer cushion us from the stark weight of reality. These silent and alone moments can be too much to bear for most of us. So instead, we get in the car and immediately flip on the radio, or we come home after a long, busy day of work, and instead of being in a quiet house, we turn on the TV because it makes us feel safe and less alone, maybe less exposed. Or we put on those noise-canceling headphones in an attempt to cancel some noise so we can magnify other noises of our choosing. Most of us don't use headphones to cancel noise, just to curate and concentrate it. Silence and solitude, often rare, unwelcome strangers, when we come across them, we generally try to avoid and get away from them as quickly as possible. Some of us can't even sleep in silence, needing the white noise of a fan or television to drown out our anxious thoughts or distracting sounds our ears will gravitate to, like ravenous birds diving upon roadside scraps. What if our unease with the quiet, our perceived incompatibility with the silence, is in actuality a very loud statement to us about lingering emptiness inside of our souls that we simply don't know what to do with or how to fulfill? What if the one place that many of us are most uneasy with is the one place we can begin to find the things we need the most? What if, in avoiding the quiet, silent, alone places, we are simultaneously avoiding the one place that holds the things we need the most? Is it possible that in a world of unending noise, of information, entertainment, obligations, and distractions, we have lost the ability to be quiet, and in so doing, have lost the grace that's hidden there? Our Christian forefathers throughout the centuries have viewed silence and solitude, let's call them the secret place, as an absolutely essential practice in the life of a a believer. It has been a widely held essential Christian discipline to make intentional moments, spaces, and times of quiet aloneness. Furthermore, it's been widely understood that to not practice this discipline until it becomes habitual will mean certain and prolonged soul-level emptiness, longing, and dissatisfaction— of which the noise of this life will not only not alleviate, but exacerbate. Is it possible that at the heart of all the depression, fear, anxiety, despair, and dysfunction of our day is a failure to access the secrets that wait for us in Jesus-devoted solitude?
the very reason you and I struggle to be quiet alone is that aloneness has a way of exposing inner emptiness and lack. So we run to the TV, the computer, Instagram, or to the bottle to deal with it. Or for some of us, it's sports, movies, a fantasy novel, or our favorite message thread, whatever we can do to fill the empty void within us. It's when we're alone and it's quiet that the reality within us is truly revealed. And it's in this moment, the moment of painful revelation, that the temptation to fill it with the first thing we can find rushes in. To fill the void of silence is the worst thing we can do because it's in this moment, in this place, that God does his deepest work. Not only have millennia worth of Christians discovered this to be true, but we find it front and center in the scriptures. The book of Genesis tells us that before the fall of creation, mankind and God had a habit of connecting in the garden in the cool of the day. God was found in the secret place in the garden. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I'm God. God is found in the secret place. Isaiah 40 verse 31 tells us that the key to renewed strength is waiting upon the Lord. Again, we find the strength, power, and presence of God in not in the going, but in the stopping. It's in the still, quiet, secret place that God is most accessible to us. It was Elijah who discovered in his nervous breakdown when he was alone in a cave that the voice of God comes not in fire or wind or powerful earth-shaking quakes, but in a still, small voice. He was in a whisper, in the alone, secret, quiet place. Perhaps the best biblical pattern of solitude and silence is in Jesus, as we are told over and over that, quote, he often withdrew to lonely places. It becomes very clear in the reading of the gospel accounts that the secret to Jesus' powerful public ministry is his private meetings with God. The Bible is insistent that the true cure to stress, chaos, emptiness, and loneliness is exclusively and only found in God and that he is found in the secret place. When you dare be alone and quiet, just you, your thoughts, your issues, your fears, your burdens, your deficiencies and dysfunctions, it is there and then you begin to discover a God who is willing, wanting, and able to give you abundant grace for all of them. As the COVID-2020 pandemic has been unfolding, I've been learning about the gift of solitude. My wife at long last gave into my wish to get a dog and got me a beautiful golden retriever puppy for my birthday. I named him Lewis after my favorite author. I knew I wanted a dog, but what I didn't realize is that I'd be walking this dog 30 minutes to an hour every single day, and that these walks would launch me into a season where I've learned the power of solitude and the hidden grace of the secret place. I've been struggling to find a quiet place, being isolated at home along with my wife and kids, so I decided that whenever I walked the dog, this was going to be my intentional time with the Lord. No noise, just me, my anxious thoughts, a panting dog, and the God of peace. It has been here that I've discovered new levels of life, power, and peace, and I'm convinced more than ever that some things can only be found in the secret place. Here's what I'm learning about the discipline of solitude. Five benefits of solitude. Number one, solitude is an antidote for loneliness. Have you ever noticed that the solution to loneliness is not being around more people? Sure, relationships matter, and even the most introverted of us end up starving for a little human interaction after a few weeks of quarantine. However, relationships are not the primary cure for loneliness. The truth is, it's possible to have a thousand Facebook friends and still be lonely. You can be in a room full of hundreds of people, well, you used to be able to anyway, and you can still feel lonely. Even the most intimate relationships, like in a marriage or a family dynamic, we can still feel incredibly lonely at times. This is because there's a place in us all that is designed to be known and accepted by the presence of God, and literally nothing and no one else will do. Loneliness is the byproduct of not finding true fulfillment in a relationship outside ourselves. It's the despair and discouragement that comes from not knowing or being known by someone who can satisfy the deepest parts of us, and no human is big enough to reach the eternal emptiness that is inside us all. When we go to the secret place, when we get alone before God in solitude, we are not only acknowledging our fundamental need for Him, but we are positioning ourselves to encounter the one who our loneliness is telling us we were made to know and be known by. Number two, solitude is an antidote for noisiness. In C.S. Lewis's novel, The Screwtape Letters, Wormwood is informed by his uncle Screwtape that 
quote, the devil detests music and silence, and that hell has been occupied by noise, noise, and that hell aims to make the whole universe a noise in the end, that the melodies and silences of heaven will need to be shouted down. Noise fights against the way the kingdom of heaven flows. Noise is a destructive force that seeks to compromise, conflict, clutter, confuse, and corrupt every aspect of our lives. It is widely understood that the first step to hearing what you want to hear is mitigating the noise that's drowning it out. If God's voice is generally heard in the quiet, how crucial is it that we learn to turn off our phones, the TV, the car, the radio, our mouths, our thoughts, if they are all noise that keeps us from hearing the voice of Jesus? Solitude and silence is the way we can press the mute button on an increasingly loud world and in so doing, begin to hear the life-giving whisper of God. Number three, solitude is an antidote for busyness. One of the primary forms of noise in our lives isn't necessarily measurable on a decibel meter or heard through our ears, but it's the noise that comes with having too much flying at you all the time. Deadlines, relationships, dreams, desires, interests, and obligations all simultaneously demanding our attention. The secret place is of space and time that allows us to even just for a minute step out of the chaos into the presence of the one who said to the storm, peace, be still. Solitude, true solitude, quickly reminds us God is still God and that the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. And he is providing us our breath, the sun and rain and the provisions of life, the same as he has done for the sparrow. The secret place is a form of Sabbath that we can access anywhere, anytime, any day. Number four, solitude is an antidote for blindness. The Bible gives us clues as to how we are designed to live. It tells us that we are meant to not only live by faith, but to see the world by faith. In other words, our seeing, our paradigm, our understanding and perspective comes through faith. But there's a catch. The faith by which we see has to be obtained. And to obtain faith, we don't use our imagination, we don't feel, we don't taste faith. The sense we use to obtain faith is hearing. Faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God. When we practice solitude, it allows us to hear God's word, not just read it, but hear it. As the whisper of the Spirit speaks the word into the depths of us, revealing what words on a page simply cannot. It's the secret place where we hear the word. This is why it's possible to read the Bible but not hear God. It's not until we come away with him that we have the chance to really hear his voice, which is the key to having faith and conviction deep inside of us that comes through revelation. Number five, solitude is an antidote for powerlessness. Above all, the secret place is a treasure trove, a buffet table, a library, and an armory all rolled into one. When we practice Jesus' aim solitude, we are, in his words, abiding with him. And when we abide with him, we will bear much fruit. It's in the secret place that we receive the supernatural power for this life, provision for our day, and stir up passion for the fire of our heart. Often we think of God's provision in our lives that it's going to drop out of the sky. But in fact, all the power and provision of God is hidden in a secret, quiet place that can only be accessed by our seeking to find him above all else. The most powerful, well-adjusted, victorious, compassionate, admirable, anointed Christians, the ones where the most like Jesus, are all without exception people who have discovered the hidden grace of the secret place. A life of public power is developed through private passion in the secret place. There are things that God has for us that can only be found in the secret place. It's in the practice of solitude and silence where we draw away quietly and we utter words toward heaven, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then we wait, listen, and then in some mysterious way, at the perfect time, in that secret place, you'll hear a whisper that has the power to move mountains speak directly to you. Four practical guides to solitude. Number one, find time. The best way to practice solitude is actually in small bursts. Instead of setting out to achieve monk-level solitude from the get-go, why not start by intentionally turning off the TV five or ten minutes before you would have otherwise and simply breathe and listen and pray? Or try turning off the radio on your commute. Or maybe before you roll out of bed in the morning, while you're awake but not up, 
Listen and be still, knowing that he is God over this day. The point is, find moments where you can interrupt the noise of your day and invite God in. Number two, set a consistent time. As with all good things in life, marriage, family, health, finances, you have to fight for them. The same goes for practicing solitude. If you don't schedule a daily time, it simply will not happen. Put it in your calendar, mark an appointment in an iCal or Google or whatever you use in your trusty day planner, and then honor it like you would any other crucial appointment you have that day. Number three, set a place. It is so helpful to have a designated area you go to. Having a designated space triggers something in your mind and spirit where you know it's time to be present with the Lord because you're there. Don't underestimate the power of a designated meeting space. If you don't have the luxury of having a room in your house or a chair in the corner, do what I do. Go for a walk. And if you really want to make it awesome, get yourself a puppy to go with you. Number four, set a regular daily time. When you decide, just make sure you mark it down and stick to it. It takes about 66 days to form a habit, so hang in there. It's a discipline. It's not easy, but the benefits are amazing. May you, even today, begin to discover the hidden grace of God by finding him in the secret place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91.1 AJ Pleasure, we are here. We are talking about uh, solitude. But first, before we get into that conversation, uh, we got to talk about the NBA bubble. No, I think we should just do solitude. You do? Well... I mean, because LeBron is zero and one. Man, as of the time of this recording, uh, it's concerning. This might come back to be a laughable statement, but he has never lost in the first round. No, I don't think they're going to lose, but I think the I think the wheels are wobbling early, and they've got a long road to a championship. So you heard the man; he needs his fans. Yeah, that's he doesn't like the empty arena. That's not a sign of greatness to me. It's it's goat talk. No, no. Uh, the Raptors are going to, like, like as was the last time you were on uh, the Speaking Of podcast, I believe there was just uh, preliminary talk of the NBA bubble. I think you were on the record. I think I did. You did. I think, did I say, I, I mean, I obviously picked the Raptors for the champs, but I think I said Raptors-Lakers in the finals, I, I believe. I think you did. But now I'm feeling like the might be the Clippers, but even that, uh, last night Dallas beat the Clippers, so this and, has been... And the Bucks lost. Yeah, that was the best. The, the Bucks best. lost. The only team that hasn't lost, uh, the Raptors and the Celtics. Celtics are scaring me a little bit, not going to lie. They're, they'll be a formidable opponent for the Raptors. They play a similar. They just have some more big boys on their team. Yeah, yeah, they do. But uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm as confident as I've ever been. And do you usually lack confidence, or does that come pretty natural for you? I have been a Raptors fan for the better part of three decades, <laughs> and uh, confidence in being a Raptors fan have not always traveled in, together. Uh, in the same circles. Uh, you weren't there for Andrea Bargnani as the number one pick. Uh, or, uh, yeah. those, those, are, those are memorable moments that make for a great story. How are, how are you as a good Ontario boy not, not bleeding purple? There's, I'm bleeding purple. It's the wrong purple. <laughs> Yeah, purple and gold. Purple and gold. Get wherever, out of here. wherever LeBron goes, I just ask for a seat on the wagon, and off we go. You're you're a mystery man. Like I am. you're uh, from Ontario, so sh- you should be a Raptors fan. And you, like me, are probably by definition a millennial, but just but not, not quite. Not quite. So what is this like? I have a favorite player, not a favorite team thing. Yeah, it's only in basketball. Where's your loyalty? It's only in basketball. I was there for the Raptors inaugural season. I was there for year one Man. in the Sky Dome. Yes. I was there. You, wow. See, I, I don't understand you. But yeah, anyway, hopefully we didn't lose everybody, but got to got to go there. So are you feeling confident? You think you think uh, LeBron's going to pull it off? Uh, I don't think so. I want him to as a fan, but 17 years in, I don't know. I, don't, I think that I think that the beating up of the playoffs because it's going to be way more intense. Right. It's way more like 99 after the strike. Yes. So I, that's not going to favor him well. Yeah, and the, Dwight Howard will fade a little bit, which is he's the crux of the whole thing. <laughs> if that's the case, there's no chance. So yeah, he's the backbone. Oh boy, yeah. Well, they were it, that first game. It was apparent that they were they're not overstaffed by not. talent by any and means. Avery Bradley didn't make the trip. Yeah, so some perimeter holes, and Damon's gonna. Oh man, Damon Lillard is no kit, no joke. We should do an NBA playoff podcast for the four people who would listen. Yes, yep. the, the four people that are still left yeah, with us good. right now. Sounds good. <laughs> 
All right, here's an important question. Have you ever played the quiet game? Uh, we do that. We do the quiet supper. The quiet supper. We do the quiet supper. With the kids. When I've had one of those days, we'll come home and, all right, kids, quiet supper. Who can be the quietest? Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. And they bite? They do it? Yeah, you can only do that about once a week. They're, they're on to you if you pull that out too many times. See, I can't, I couldn't do that. I have a, a condition that's called misophonia. Yes, I, I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of You're it. Aware of I'm it. aware. We've been in a meeting or two where, we have been where I've meetings. been triggered. Yes. Your <laughs> your glare is next level. No, people, it's not that bad. It's okay. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Well, misophonia for those of you at for those of you at home who don't know, misophonia is when you can't stand the certain sounds. Uh, well, a lot of different sounds, but predominantly for me, it's uh, it's eating sounds. Yep. I don't like it. And I would share that with you. You just have it to a higher degree. Yes. And our, our kids have a strict no smacking rule. Like, oh, we, oh, oh yeah. It's, it's enforced at our table. Same with us. Yep. But if, if we did a quiet supper, uh, even the clanking of okay, dishes would, would be bother too much me. for you. Yeah. 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 I, so don't judge me, people. I, it's, a, it's a real problem. <laughs> it's a real condition. So uh, linked with brilliance, by the way. So anyway, uh, moving on. Just saying. Yeah. Just put that out there before you judge me too much. Bad handwriting. Misophonia, brilliance, all those things, brilliance. brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, right. Childhood family vehicles. I referenced in my uh, my little blog post that um, my, I recall many a trips in a Ford Aerostar. What did your family rock? We had uh, the Ford Tempo. The Tempo. The tempo. Yeah. Was it teal? Uh, no, black. Black. Ooh. Black with with uh, gray inside. I remember. It's actually pretty sharp. Yeah, for I remember, a Ford Tempo. I remember. <laughs> I remember a lot of teal Ford Tempos. Yeah. In fact, I think my wife's first car was a was a teal Ford Tempo. So we we upgraded when the engine blew in that to a Ford. Uh, was it? Taurus. I think it's the Ford Taurus station yeah. wagon. Yes, station wagon. I learned to drive on the Ford Taurus station wagon. It had some guts. Ours was green. Ours was gray with was burgundy it? interior. Ours had burgundy yep. interior, not burgundy. Sorry, beige. 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 Yep. Yep. So fine vehicle. <laughs> fine motor carriage. <laughs> <laughs> we had, you had the seven seat and the, the flip up in the back. I uh, know the reverse. No. You could look no, out the I've window. I've been in those, but we did not have that. Yeah, we had that. We had that trim, <laughs> that, that high Taurus trim, <laughs> classy vehicle. Amazing. Is that what you learned to drive on? Uh, no, it was the Tempo. It was the Tempo. Uh, I think it was the Tempo. Maybe it was a vehicle before that, but Tempo would be about that timeline. Yeah. I true story took my took my dad's. I hope he's not watching this, but definitely took the. Uh, I drove the Ford Taurus one time when I was fifteen from my cousin's house Ooh, nice. to uh, to my house. So it was yep. a, it was a dangerous ex- escapade yep. that night. Um, yeah, great vehicle for sure. It was. Uh, do you have time for a good car story? I, that's why I'm asking these questions. We after the Taurus, we had a white Buick Regal. And okay. It had, it had some get up and go. I bet. And I took it out for the night. I might have been 17. And I pulled up at a stoplight and was looking ahead and wasn't paying attention to the car beside You're me. You're going to drag race another senior in a Buick? There was a, a respectable car beside me. I thought, I'm going to take him off the line. Did he make eye contact? Just I'm 17 years old. I don't have the, the stones to make eye contact. But I let her rip. I get home that night. And my dad asked me if I had a good time. Uh-oh. He was the passenger in the other car. Oh. <laughs> 100% true story. I drag raced with my dad's buddy. Didn't oh, look at him. Man. I thought, I took him. I got him. You should have looked. Nope. Jacobus would have been staring back at me. You should have flexed a yeah. little bit and looked. Right? And then you would have known. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, I... I rode off my one of my dad's many Aerostars when Ooh. I was 16. Never on the way to basketball practice, turning uh, in Fredericton, for those of you who know... Uh, the the turn from Prospect Street to Regent, I, I turned left and T-boned a guy, listening to Blind Melon on my discman. <laughs> the discman skipped. Yeah, the guaranteed the, nobody's tracking anymore. They're no, gone. we got They're nobody gone. left. It's just nobody it's just the left. Two of us now. Talking about solitude. We're talking yeah. about actually like the reason I even did some of these articles was during when quarantine started. You know, all of our regular rhythms and patterns were kind of disrupted. Yeah. And so looking at different, you know, time-tested, you know, battle-proven things that Christians have done, whether it's in, you know, COVID 2020 or the Crusades or, like, uh, whatever, world wars. Like, these things have gone through, you know, natural disasters and global wars and pandemics before. And so, you know, just kind of dusting off some of these practices that, you know— Frankly, you, a person should always do, but you yeah. know, 
especially in times of difficulty. And so first one I talked about was this, this concept of solitude. What, what role does that have in your life? Have you, have you, do you practice that or explicitly, or do you think of it that way? Yeah, I would say it comes and goes. Yeah. Um, and ironically it goes the more that I need it. Yes. Like there's a, there's a tension there cause I'm not prone to want to do solitude. Right. I'm prone for community. I'm prone for activity progress. And so it actually leaves the more that I need it, right. which has a kind of a boomerang effect. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty regular at a couple times a year punching out for a day or two days, go to a cottage, go to a retreat place, or even hide in my own community, but go off site or yep. find someone who's got a spot and just kind of pull away with the Bible, a couple books, notebook, that kind of thing. But the irony is the more that I need it, I, like it's, it's tempting to not do it. Yeah. So the more I need it, the more I don't want to do it. It kind of fights against itself. It, well, I think probably with virtually all the disciplines at some level, I mean, it's why we associate negativity with the word discipline. Right. Like it's just going, it's literally going against the grain of what you naturally want to yep. do. And it's like, it's such a difficult thing. What, what was it that caused you like, you know, I, I think a lot of people listening, like, I think that's common for pastors. I'll do that too. I'll take, yep. I'll take a day here or there, like quarterly kind of thing. Try to, and just like an actual yep. shutdown, you know, when did you start doing that? And what, like who, who put you on that? Uh, I think it might've been like Wayne Cadero or something yep. early in ministry. Yeah. Um, before I even knew I could burn out, somebody put a burnout book in my hand, which right. is kind of prophetic or favorable. Um, I remember going to my wife's aunt and uncle's cottage just outside of Bristol Yeah. and on the Shiktahawk yeah. River, New Brunswick. Yeah. And didn't even know what to do. Yeah. Like I'm there with probably 12 books, laptop. I just didn't even know what I was doing with it. Yeah. I'm probably 25. So yeah. I don't know. It just, but I, but I started experimenting with getting away. Yeah. And the first thing I did was napped. Yep. I just slept. It's that's a that's a spiritual practice. Now, in I, was the only, right I was only settings. 25, so I was sleeping because I was lazy, even yeah. more than tired. Yeah. But learning then that even rest with solitude, right, or getting away and quiet. Like, Part of the problem of solitude is I couldn't enjoy it because I was too tired to enjoy it. Right. And so feeling guilty waking up for my hour nap or yeah. two hours, whatever it was, and thinking like, no, this might have been the exact thing I needed totally. for unplugging. Um, so I started early in ministry, and then it has waned up and down depending on kids and ministry and life. Yeah. But fairly regular, whether it's a cottage or Beulah or a family cottage or just in my own town, finding a room that no one knows where I'm at right. is pr fairly regular. Do you think... Uh like I, I think we're probably wired similar in, in this. Like, again, every every discipline is different for every person. I think like some of us are maybe a little more naturally inclined to be able to do. Absolutely. You know, like I was never a, you know, like those people who say I just want a coffee mug and a book in a corner. Like that's just not me. I want to I want to be out doing stuff, sports activities, people. I'm on vacation this week. Right. I'm in, I'm in Fredericton yeah. at my doing a podcast at my in-laws and. <laughs> I have been with more people. I've been out to a lake. I've been on the motorbike. We're doing a podcast. Right. We're hitting a gym later. Right. Like, but that's what refreshes me. Right. And so I'm prone to not want to go alone. I'm yes. prone for people. I'm, same I'm here. wired like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. I, I run. This one is really hard for me. And like I, I, you know, I referenced it in my article about, you know, like the the dog had me probably in more chunks of intentional Absolutely. quiet than I've had in a long time. Like yeah. I obviously devotions, daily Bible reading, daily prayer, that's all very important, but this is slightly different. This is. is like listening. It's like, well, even the devotion switches into doing totally. It switches into accomplishing it's a checklist. It, it does. And yeah. because we preach a lot, it switches into sermon prep or ooh, yes. that, that would breach yeah. or I'll take that to staff meeting or I'll do something with that. Uh, we did a dog this year as well. How's that going? It's going all right. Yeah. But I'll say last summer I got a motorbike. And when you were when you were reading your paper and walking through the devoted time of thinking and listening, yep. that's what the motorbike came for me even more than the dog. Because right. I'm highly wound and slightly irritable, the dog would set that off at times. Right. <laughs> but, but being on a motorbike with no phones, nothing right. in my ears, riding along the ocean – Nothing has been more profitable for the hearing yeah. part with the Lord 
than just writing in silence. That's that's where you get uh, a lot of a lot of ideas and I'll, I'll like pick words I'll pick and, one thing. Yeah. Hey Lord, family, uh, marriage, parenting. And I'll just pick that thing yeah. and ride for half an hour or forty five minutes and just let that thing roll around. Kind of like Cal, Cal Newport's deep work. Yeah. That premise yep. of just going deep yeah. into getting off the surface. Yeah. Because everything in our culture is wired for living on the surface. Yeah. Everything. Uh, yeah. Have you read that book? The, oh, yeah. yeah. Deep one, Work. One of my favorites. Yeah. That's what AJ's referencing a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Definitely worth the read. Oh, yeah. Um, very hard to do, though. I remember I, I read know. that and I was like, okay, I'm going to do that for like, you know, instead of sort of half doing sermons and doing some emails and doing this and that. I'm going to like just really dive in and tell, you know, yeah. tell the team, don't bother me yeah. from this. And I'm going to shut my phone off. I, I, it's been very, I don't succeed at that very often. I know I, and it, it, it's so against the culture grain. Mm-hmm. It goes so against everything in our system. Yeah. I mean, dings and vibrates and knocks on the door. It's just, we're, we're wired to do multitasking, which isn't doable anyways, but yeah. we're wired for it. It's so satisfactory. Like it's so immediate gratification. I think there's an actual like, um, physiological, like a dopamine hit Absolutely. you get when you f- finish something or respond to something. Yeah. Like, um, I, I was, I was saying this week I had something kind of fall on my desk that sort of disrupted a lot of plans. And I was like, I was so looking forward to have not preaching this week, so I had like a to-do list a mile long. It's like I am going to I am going to binge on checklists this week and just get stuff done. Your brain releases a chemical. Totally does. Hundred percent. Yeah, it does. And I literally had a sense of loss. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, now I'm not going to get to do all those little things and yeah. cross the thing off my my book, you know. And I think that fights against, especially if you're that type of person that sort of you're you're a doer and achiever and a goer that you're even more prone to avoid, I think. Well, you go into solitude and there's nothing to check off. Right. You can't there's n- do anything. You can't accomplish solitude. Right. You go into the wilderness. Right. Or get up while it's still dark and go away, but there's nothing nothing to check. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such a, a place of, of yieldedness where you're really, there, yeah, you, you contribute nothing. And, and, if God, and if God doesn't speak... Which is often, right? I find it doesn't exactly whet your appetite to do it again. That's like right. That being faithful of going out there every time, like he might speak in you. I've had lots of rides on the bike, nothing. Right. Yep. Same. Yep. Yeah. You walk in your dog, and there's nothing. Yep. But then, but it's that it's that one time yep. where the stars align, and he says that one thing to you. You get that revelation or that you know that affirmation or yep. healing or whatever. Well, if he did every time. It'd become a coin in the right. slot to get what you needed. It would, okay, yes. God, I got the dog. Yep. I got the formula. Yep. You give me what I need. Yeah. And we just try to cash in every time. And it's not really about relationship. Not at all. Yeah. It's like yep. it's like, I mean, we do that in our marriages. Absolutely. Where it's Very like transactional. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll do this. So you, what I really want is not to, not to be with you. You know, if you know, if I hang out with you, then we'll, you know, whatever it is, exactly. whatever you want to connect to it. Yep. Yeah. That's. That's I think the the solitude. Many of the disciplines are this way, but definitely, definitely the solitude piece is like it really just is relational investment. If you're if you're gonna you're gonna really throw yourself at it, like if you go to it again as a means to an end, like God's very gracious and, yeah. and so kind to us. And I don't think you know one of the things um, uh, Larry Osborne once said to me. I was, I was wrestling with my intentions on some things. Like I don't know if like I have the best intentions and he's like you know if if god waited till our intentions were all 100 percent pure then right we'd all we'd all be waiting all the time so i think god's very gracious to us when we practice solitude realizing that you know there's always going to be this sort of action reaction piece that we probably have to wrestle through but um yeah i i find though he at the end of the day is always going to push us towards like real relational like integrity where yeah. it's like, no, I just, you know, back to that Genesis that, that, that Adam had a habit, it seemed of walking with God in the cool yeah. of the garden. Like that's. Well, not, I think for us, I don't know what you would say to this, but I think there's a giant reset button when you go into solitude, mm-hmm. kind of like when you hit the Nintendo reset. Right. <laughs> yeah. Before there were memory you, cards. You blow the. <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah. And I think, I think the hustle and the grind of everything it just brings our floor up. Right. So we get used to the adrenaline. We get used to the accomplishing. We get used to pushing. And that 
the new normal of that is so much higher than we should actually be yeah. at. The solitude resets us back to zero. Yeah, we pull the caffeine out. We shut the phone. Like we just need that reset back down to find our actual floor. Right, because we'll rev up so high. Yeah, and I think I think we live in a like a culture that is is revved to use your word like higher than ever. Higher than ever. The the noise the noise in culture is just it's insane. You know what what noise do you you know we talked about busyness yep. you know what what noise do you kind of have to fight though i mean we already talked about we put basketball first so there's there's one but for you how how do you how do you fight the noise what are the noises you identify in your life that you know are the direct sort of thing that if god's calling you to solitude um it's probably because there's too much of this yeah. that what what are some of the things for you yeah easily the church yep the church wow, itself yeah, for sure is a wonderful blessing yeah and the imperfect bride is still the bride I, I love the church but I will let the church rule and reign over me yeah and what what you know to be true too is that it's never done right I you take could I always. take yeah always and I take such pride in being a go-to person or being a person who comes through right. or if you message me I'll get back to you if you, like I, I take such pride in that yeah and so to let it just be mm and me walk away, like she'll be all right. Right. That is so hard. Yeah. That is so hard. Yeah. But it's such a, it's a gift though too, right? Like, but it take it actually takes an, enough time to get in that zone. Like it's like vacation. You need almost like, like 10 days or more yep. to really start yep. gearing out. And same with solitude. You need, you need enough consistent time to just remind yourself like, yeah, you know, God had this before I had it and he still has it and he'll have it after well and going away isn't going away anymore right i've got slack on my phone i know i can peek in from a thousand kilometers away yep i was raised by a pastor of a small church and when he left town he might as well left the planet right you not were, you weren't finding him in 1992 right like, when he left town he was gone people are still messaging they don't know where i am yeah i could be in ukraine and yep. still be in touch with everybody like it's we've never been more accessible so it's never been harder to detach, I think. Yeah. And that just, I find that difficult. I do too. I mean, I was, I was, um, I was on a fishing trip a couple of weekends ago out in the middle of the woods, yep. no cell coverage, but like we were out, we were out on the four wheelers and I found a spot maybe a kilometer from our camp that had enough coverage to get up some texts and emails yep. and that kind of thing. And like, like kid you not couple times a day I'd go up and sit on the roof of the camp. Yeah. I'd bounce in and get all my texts and all my, all my email, make sure everything's okay. You know, I couldn't even, I couldn't even just be away, you know? And I think there's just, there's, there's an anxiety of when we, when we're disconnected from all the things we're regularly managing, even, even like from a safety, like, well, what if something happened to to Melanie or one of the kids? I just need to check in and make sure everything's okay. Yeah. The immediacy of everything. Yeah. And it's like, does it have to be immediate? Like, or would they be okay? Like if, you know, something happened and they had to come find me, you know, like the old days. When you think of the church, how many times has it actually been immediate crisis? You had to be there that minute. Right. It's really rare. Yes. But we act like every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Tuesday. Yeah. I need to be ready the minute a text comes in. Right. And that's just not true. Yeah. there. I think there's a there probably that's a whole conversation for another day even. But like that, there probably is like a real unhealthy lie of immediacy in our minds just about like everything needs immediate response and i'm terrible for that like if i get something on my mind i have to do it now absolutely like and you can and can that's the problem yes you don't have to save up to buy anything anymore right you don't have to wait till the store opens to buy anything we're we're, we're addicted to right now and solitude goes against all of that yeah it can that's huge it really does it just it tables everything and just says there's there's more important things than yep. than the kind of torrent of the busyness of my whole life. Yeah. Have you we talked about like I think one of the reasons that solitude is so important but also so difficult is this whole idea of like loneliness. Yeah. That part of part of why it's so hard to turn your phone off and be silent is like that that moment when you're alone you really start to come into awareness of maybe deficiencies or dysfunction or desires or whatever you know that's that's at work there you know and usually 
again, you want to run to the thing, the surefire. Like I, I know if I go on Facebook, it's not going to satisfy me deeply, but it's going to at least deposit something. I don't know if I go on a hike and just listen that God's going to say anything. And it's well, yeah. And, and when you were reading through that part, I wrote a couple thoughts down because that was so pointed. Because yeah. I think Facebook, if you use that analogy, is like, like a soother for adults. Right. Wow. Yes. Like it's just like. Oh, I can go soothe myself. I can judge people. Yeah. I can judge my. Like, I, I can just self soothe. Right. Just Facebook zoning out. Yeah. And I think the loneliness issue. It's not the quiet yeah. that is unnerving. It's the noise of the quiet that's unnerving. Right. Yes. It's not the stuff they that's don't right. hear. It's the stuff they do hear. Yes. And they have to confront insecurities and yeah. weaknesses and vulnerabilities and ego and they, yeah. it's all that stuff. That I I just want the noise. Right. Give me the noise back. Yeah, I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with the noise. I don't want to face my stuff. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the 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 Facebook is a controlled, right? You can control kind of what's what's coming at you, what you're putting out there. It's that, you know, but it's it's actually controlled and like projected relationship. It's not real. Not real. And it's not it's not reciprocal, really. Like there's no there's no actual responsibility or reciprocity in it. It's just it's just kind of out there. And it, well, if you think about it, I'm making sure that I'm never in solitude by putting myself out there. Right. Like yes. I'm out here. Don't forget about me. Yeah. Hey guys. I'm here. Right. And That's so right. we're constantly, Brent. Don't forget about me. I mean, it's a arm, platform. It's a platform. Yeah. Like, I matter. I exist. Yeah. Tweet. Right. Right. And like, so it's it's so addictive. It's it's actually the. It's one of the most opposite forms of what solitude is trying to accomplish. Yeah. Like, um, the, you know, the what's what, and I think there's again, I'm I'm on social media. I'm not I'm not against it. I don't no, like no. I don't personally like it, um, but I think I think it's one of those things we need to become aware of is how much more do we actually need to you know to step off? Like I I I go silent on on social media probably you know, three or four times a year mm -hmm. where I'll just, I'll just shut down for 21 days or so and like not look yeah. at it, not post nothing. And that's a huge, huge discipline. Cause yeah. this, this whole idea of solitude can take all kinds of different forms, right? Like yeah. whether it's on a motorcycle once a week or a few Absolutely. times a week or yeah. whether it is going quiet on social media or even what you read or watch, like all, a lot of the you know, one of the, one of the fasts that I do, um, and I'll speak about fat, we'll do a fasting thing at some point in this sort of series of conversations. But one of the fasts I do is specifically dealing with just noise, like yeah. white noise. And so it's not even bad stuff, but Absolutely. it's like, I'll shut down social media. I'll shut down any digital media, like that's like Netflix or even sports, which is hard for me. Yeah. You know, reading sports blogs, the news, all of it just sort of just getting rid of it but we're that's so we're not used to throttling ourselves. you're right like we're not used to that you're just wide we're used open to indulging yeah wide all open the time. all the time and yeah. if, it's, if it's there we should use it yeah and so it's when you text me about doing this it was interesting because i'm i'm trying analog august right and oh, so, okay so it's not exclusive like yeah. i have my phone on the table analog here, august but i but where possible i'm trying to limit social media so i took my phone right. or uh, media in general I took my took my tv out of my office took it out of our yeah. house I deleted social media apps yep. off my phone. I have yep. to go to a desktop computer and yes. sign in. And it's not exclusive, but I'm trying just to yeah. enforce a discipline that nobody's asking me to do yep. because we are just a, if it's there, we should use it culture. Right. And we don't limit ourselves for our own sake very often. Yeah. Which is, which is exactly what discipline right. disciplines are designed to do. It's, yeah. And it's, I mean, the, the irony of, of like when we talk about spiritual disciplines, you know, a lot of us understand it when it comes to our, our bodies, for instance, a lot of people don't, but like when, you know, you, you work out or you, you eat healthy, you're, you're denying, you know, on the one hand, whether it's your diet, you're denying yourself, you know, certain foods and, and going against, I, I don't know anybody who even the healthiest people who would still say that broccoli tastes better than donuts. Sure doesn't. Doesn't. Sure I don't doesn't. care who you are. Like, I mean, you can, you can train your taste buds to get the sugars in vegetables and fruits a little better, but there's still no substitute for candy. Like nope. it's still just it, your body wants it. And so to go against the grain and that, but that produces health. And the same goes though for our minds and our spirits. 
And I don't think we take that as seriously sometimes. Like we just sort of let that go haphazardly. Yep. And I think we're more aware of it maybe in our, we talk more about it with our bodies. Yeah. You know, the role of, of weight and exercise. Like it's, it's, but we still talk about it in the negative. Right. We don't talk about it in the blessing or the joy of the discipline. It's I can't have donuts anymore or I can't do this. Right. Not I get to do this. I get to feel great. Right. I get to be healthier. I get to sleep better. It's all in what I'm giving up, not yeah. what I'm getting. Yes. And we're, we're, it's almost like it's how dare someone. Right. How dare I be limited not to indulge in all the delicacies that I want to have? Right. Yeah. We focus on the blessings. We focus backwards. Always. For sure. And I think, I think, but that goes back that, back to that point of immediacy. Right. Where we live in a world that it has to be now and, and the return has to be now. The, and that's why we're, we have such cheap sort right. of shallow standards even on what what good is and what valuable is is because we're pretty much used to fast quick returns yep. on everything yep. and and unfortunately or fortunately depending on again how you want to focus on it these spiritual disciplines they they require effort they actually do you know and i think you even here in the church you know people misconstrue grace and they they yeah. think that it doesn't take any effort and man not in my experience following jesus takes a lot of effort um, I think it was Dallas Willard that said, uh, it was like, grace is not opposed to earning. It's opposed to effort or no grace is opposed to earning. Let me say yeah. that right. Yeah. It's not opposed to effort yeah. and that it, you actually have to work this thing out. But he, I don't think what people realize is there's grace found in the effort, right? Like, like there's grace covering the effort because again, if God doesn't give you the grace for it, it is too hard. Yeah. Going right. and, go and, and limiting yourself is too challenging. You wouldn't do it, but the grace to do it only shows God's faithfulness. Right. So I, to to try it and find Him faithful. Yeah, and and then and you 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 find Him faithful in it, and then I you know the 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 blessing of transformation is a really incredible thing. Like He, you do actually see like real deep profound life change when you start to follow him and and work out like it like paul says work out your salvation with fear and trembling you know i i picture i always picture again like we're we probably only have like six dudes that are listening now and if there's any other people that don't go to the gym at this point i'm going to lose you now here yeah. here comes a gym a gym reference but like i always picture somebody like on the bench press right that's yeah. like you put you put a bunch of weight on and you there there is trembling like yeah. when it's when you're at your yeah. max you're yeah. you're pressing and you're pushing yeah and it's actually tearing the fibers in your muscles and but god has designed your body to regenerate and actually not just regenerate but to to grow and so on that note since there's no one listening since, anymore, since it's just dudes uh, so I, i'm no stranger to going to the gym once in a while mm -hmm. and i enjoy that because i think there are so many spiritual analogies absolutely to exercising so it's not just like so they did a study recently that if you don't lift regularly above 60 percent of your effort, you won't get the results really like they just know that now yeah and so if you want to pedal away and do your thing Go for it. That's why you can go to the gym every day and not see any difference. That's why if you're listening or if you go into your local gym, you come back 10 years later, 80% of the people will look exactly the same because they never push themselves to find the blessing on the other side right. of the strain. Right. Spiritually, unfortunately, you come back 10 years later, a lot of Christians look the same. Right. Because they don't experience the blessing yes. of the strain. Yeah. They, they don't push into that extra painful, blessed zone. Right. Where Paul says, I beat myself right. regularly yes. so I can finish the, finish the race and win the prize. Yeah. We don't do that. That's huge. You can go to the gym every day and look the same. You can go to church most every do. week and mm -hmm. look the same. And most, a lot do. Most do. You know, like I, I think there's that like initial, you know, when someone finds Jesus, there's that initial sort of, of fire that God gives, you know, like that is real and it's legitimate. But if you don't, if you don't learn very quickly what to do with that, um, it does just sort of level off and dissipate. Same and as the gym. Same as the gym. Watch, like, watch every January. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Every January they all flood in and I admire their hopes. Me too. Just like a new Christian. Yeah. I love their love yeah. for this new thing they've discovered. Right. 
but you have to lean in. Yeah. And Jesus will take you deeper. Yeah. Like he's going to push and pull us too for our growth and our sanctification. Yeah. He's not going to leave us. Right. Like read one verse a day, pray on your way at the door. Like he's going to call us into deeper into the word or more solitude. Like he's going to stretch us. Right. And I, one of the things I think we, again, back to the, to the, to the myth of immediacy, like the, the myth of the benefit of the everything good needs to be immediate is that, a lot of the blessings of God are always on the other side of like some type of resistance. Always. Like that you just like, you have to press through and you do that by faith and faith in action. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just a, I believe I'm waiting. You know, even when you read that scripture, where is it? Where it's like Isaiah 43, I think, where it says like, you know, they that wait upon the Lord, he'll renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. Yep. So when you think, when I think about weight, I just picture a guy just sitting there twiddling his thumbs, but it says, no, they'll run and not grow weary. Yeah. So like there's work in the waiting, like you're actually pressing forward. And I think that's what's so counterintuitive about following Jesus. And these, these disciplines put it front and center is Absolutely. here's the work that you have to do. Uh, if you're going to receive the benefits of his grace and yeah. his presence in your life, and I'll say, like, I think of all of, of, of many of these disciplines, solitude is one of the hardest for me. Because, hmm. um, again, right back to that, like, I want to be doing. And this this really just, again, hits the reset button and stops everything and just says, I'm, I'm listening, Lord. And well, it exposes your flesh. Totally. Like, it exposes it. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is a grace-filled effort. Yeah, grace-filled discipline. Grace, yeah, grace-filled effort. Yeah. That, that's, yep. that's the Dallas Willard yep. statement. Yeah, it's... So what... Uh, just kind of bring her in for a landing. Yep. What, what, like... I want to be practical for mm -hmm. people because, again, I, I kind of got into my article about what the benefits are, fights busyness, loneliness, noisiness, all the other nesses. Um, but what, what are maybe some practical handles, some tips, if, if somebody doesn't have a motorcycle or a dog, like what are some things I gave some suggestions, what are some ideas you'd give some, some encouragement you'd give to people on, Hey, try this and, yeah. and try it a bunch until, and, yeah. and look for this even, yeah. what are some ideas? Yeah. I, I think I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not against devices. I'm not against technology, yeah. but harness it and leverage it. So one of the things you could start off but doing is set a reminder on your phone right. to beep at you once a day, mm. once a week, once a month. You yep. can set the beauty of our phones is that they are we can we can make them our slave kind right. of thing. Yep. Um, you can you can reverse you it. You can reverse yeah. it. We don't have to be the slave. You can make it your slave and a tool for you. Yeah. And so set reminders. Right. And I, and I think if you don't have things to go do, everybody has a space. Right. They call home. Uh, start by designating a chair. Yeah. Start there. Just like, hey, I've got this chair, and yeah. I only sit in it for one purpose. Right. I only go to it, and the alarm's going to go off at 7 in the morning, 7 at night, yep. whatever. I'm going to sit in that chair, and I'll set the timer for 10 minutes. Yep. Five minutes. Just start somewhere. And then after a week, move it out a little bit. But you dedicate that chair. Yep. To the expectancy that God's going to show up. Why do you think that's important? I think that's huge, The just like having a designated space. You know, what, what is that, what is it about that, that, that help is helping people? We, we love to lie to ourselves. Yes. I'm going to go to the gym later. Right. I'm going to run more this year. Right. When? Yeah. Name it. Yeah. Name the time, set aside, dedicate it, sanctify it, make it holy, whatever. Right. There is a, there is a mind heart connection. There it brings that, it from like the aspirational to the actual, yeah. like there it is. It's right there and it's still sitting empty yeah. looking at me. And when it's not used for multi-purposes there's a trigger in seeing it right like that's why when you right. start running you buy running shoes yep because there's a trigger in seeing those shoes that have one purpose in your life yep. and, and for the lord uh to have a chair that says when i go there i'm expecting yep. to meet with you i'm not binging on netflix right my phone's not joining me it's this, a single purpose and it, it triggers something in us this is the place it's this, like it's like the gym same absolutely. thing it's like you might not even have a great workout, but you get the mental win of, I think another, another good book when we're talking about habits, if you ever, if you read the power of uh, atomic habits, uh, James clear. Yep. And he says like, you know, habits are built by, you know, small little things. And it's like, every time you do, you know, if you go to the gym, you're casting a vote yep. for the person that you want to be. Yep. Right. And you do that enough times, you start to, you start to accrue, you know, or sorry, like, um, a mass, uh, like, a track record yeah. and an account almost. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the more you do that and with spiritual disciplines, it goes from, 
I do this discipline to I'm a disciplined person. That's right. It yes. moves from behavior to identity. And I think the biggest thing people Huge. don't do is they treat it outside of them. Right. Like, I'm going to go for a run. No, you're a runner. Right. Your identity has shifted. You're a runner. Right. So you go for runs. Yeah. Um, you're a gym rat. So you're going to go work out. Yes. You're a child of the God. You're going to sp- you we need to switch it from this is a behavior I'm going to try to remember to do. To yep. It's part of my identity now. Yes. We don't, we don't tend to do that. It's something I am. It, it can't, it does happen. I don't think it's something that you can, you, there's not a switch necessarily. It's almost like, again, it's almost like an account that at a, cer- at a certain point you get to this place where I was just talking to a guy um, at, at the gym that goes to the church of the day. He's just kind of getting back into yep. it. And, you know, like I was saying to him, like, I don't know. I don't know when it happens, but there comes a point where it feels more foreign to miss than it does to go. And you feel like that's more of a, that actually carries more weight where it's like, that's, that's not who I am. I'm I'm not me if I don't do that thing. I miss that piece. Yeah. And and you can get, you can get there with, with solitude, with any of the, any of the kind of the biblical practices you can get there and it's, but it does, it just takes some time. So, so have a space. The second thing I would say is and this what people are not going to like this at first invest in it yeah yes they, they've done Some studies skin in the game they've done studies that's why having going to the gym yields more results for most of humanity than having a gym in their basement right if you invest skin in the game so if you want solitude rent a night or rent a night yeah <laughs> that's like about blockbuster getting a <laughs> right. dvd yeah book a night at a hotel right like do something where it's going to cost you 130 bucks a night. Yeah. Like who? Get I'm going to go get a cottage for I'm going to make this count. Do an Airbnb. Like now you're three or four hundred dollars in. Yeah. You're not going to cancel that. Yeah. Like you're going to go. You're going to make buy a prayer chair. Abs- or something. Anything. Yeah. And put some skin yeah. in the game. Yeah. Get some people to hold you accountable. Yeah. That's another. Yeah. Like ask How's me if going? I've done this. Yeah. Now, you know, it's coming. Yeah. And so I think we try to keep it quiet and there's a spiritual element. I get that. But for this purpose of starting, yep. there's something about having skin in the game Huge. and you will enjoy it more. Yep. You just will. Yep. I think figuring, and then I think one thing, one thing too, I, I find is like, not in some legalistic way, like you don't want to, you don't want to like beat yourself up, but I think it's important to t- kind of take inventory and take account for how you've been doing and even having some type of plan. Like again, I don't think you're suggesting get a hotel on a daily basis no. and do this. Like this is something that okay, I'm quarterly. I'm going yep. to have a day where I get away. Well, how do I how do I practice this on a daily basis? Do I have ten minutes at the start of my right. day or whatever? Do I have a space? But I do think it's important to have a plan and then figure out like how are you doing based on kind of those standards that you set. You know, one of the things I've been doing recently, um, I got I got like an Apple Watch for Christmas or whatever, and they do on on that they do like your fi- your activity bands. Absolutely. Well, that's that's been great for my for my body, but I was even having some dialogue with the Lord the other day just about asking Him, you know, what are some things that in this season you want me to be more intentional with? And one of the things was like like actually praying, not listening, but actually doing like con- contending prayer right. every day and. He, I, for whatever reason, it came to my mind again. I was on; we were on a soul day. The whole staff a couple of weeks ago, the whole team had to go and take a whole day. And uh, you know what? What he brought to mind when he when he was asking me, I think to to make more of a point to pray every day was: you close your calorie band every day. You close your you close your exercise band mm-hmm. every day. You need you need to imagine a prayer band and put a number on it. Wow. And so I've I've been actually thinking about okay every day I'm going to pray th- at least this much hmm. and it's kind of again it's just like in a, a form of personal measurement and accountability uh, I think I think it's important I think it's important I think we were way too just way too like um what's the word unintentional with our faith a yeah. lot of the time and yeah. then we get the results we get you know but but why wouldn't we do it that way. I, I don't know. You've been I, serving the Lord for decades now. Why would you not want to go deeper with Him now this year than you did when you were nineteen? Yeah, I, I, I feel there's like something so. I think there's a there is a misconception back to that Dallas Willard statement. Like people have misapplied mm-hmm. what it means to be saved by grace, and they think that Jesus died. I'm going to go to heaven. Right. And there's like a lot of bad theology in that. But not only that, but it, it's not just unorthodox. You know, it's yeah. it's. 
like orthopraxy, like how this flushes itself out in practice. Right. If you have the wrong orthodoxy, it's going to have, it's going to bring the wrong orthopraxy. And if you think that Jesus just died so that you could go to heaven one day, then of course it's not really going to be a lot of incentive for you to figure out, well, what does it mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? What is it? What are, you know, like if it doesn't matter, right. if it doesn't matter what I do, if, if his blood has covered me and I'm good to go when I go, right. then who cares? And the downfall of the saved by grace is they forget about the shaped by grace. Right. Like, well, I got in. Yeah. Well, okay, but he's trying to shape us. Right. And solitude does a shaping effect yeah. that hustling and grinding doesn't. Yeah. On, on, or I mean, on a, in a good way. Right. It warps our soul to hustle and grind for yes, too long. That's but right. there's a shaping that happens. Yeah. But yeah, you don't hear... Not at all. I mean, you can you can uh, you can buy a gym membership. It doesn't yep. make you it doesn't make you in shape. You know, Jesus, no, it does not. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus bought you a membership yep. to to the good life, so oh, to speak. Listen to you, hey pastor, man, amen, pastor. amen. And uh, but you got to work it, man. So I think uh, you know for for what it's worth, and I think it's worth a lot. Solitude, I think, is one of the most important starting points. You know, like if you can just learn to to be still and know that he's God before, you know, I mean, you probably know this as well as I do, and you already referenced it as a pastor, but even as just a Christian, Mm -hmm. like I have a much easier time going to my quiet place and cracking open the Bible and just, just smashing it. Like, like I read this much and you're not, that's not solitude. I love checking the chapters. So totally, totally. I memorized Romans today, you know, like, but you didn't actually, you, you didn't actually like, the shaping stop yeah you know and like yep. and just say you know speak lord your servants listening yeah you know and even if he doesn't i think again that just that even if he doesn't at least for that time you shut down all the other voices mm-hmm. if nothing else you yep. didn't have to listen to all the other nonsense and there is a win yep. in that and there's and honestly there's even relational health i mean you've been married uh pretty much as long as i have like when I drive, when it's just my wife and I in the car, I don't view the silence right. as a as a um, indictment on our relationship. In fact, the fact that we love each other in such a way that we don't feel obligated to break the silence with right. with trivial conversation, it actually speaks to the depth of our intimacy, not um, a lack of it. Right? right. Like you actually you go go to a restaurant and you you can see the difference between the couple that's been married for 40 years that you can still tell very much love one another, but Absolutely. they're just eating their supper and the, the ones that are on the first date, like just trying to force conversation. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. like, I think there's a, there's a level of that with, with how we have these moments with God. Like God's just good to sit in the car sometimes. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think God sometimes just wants to be with us mm-hmm. and it's not even about what can I get or what can I say? Or so tell me about what's your favorite color. You know, like it's yeah. not, I think God just wants to relationally, again, it comes back to that word abide, like just just to be with him. And I think that's the win. Yep. And I think solitude, sol- that practice just yep. doesn't. So I think maybe if we can shift in our minds that I do this in order to, uh, like if, if the measure of this being a win is God said such and such to me, then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Like you just will. Although to encourage you, you do, the more you do it, the more you learn the voice of God. You know, he says, my sheep know my voice. Absolutely. So that does come with time, but it doesn't mean though, like just because I know my wife's voice now and I know, you know, I know what she would say a lot of the time, or I even know I can hear her through a crowd. Like if six people were talking, I'd, hear her before like first but you honed that i've honed that right but it's very important for like it'd be very weird if i drove to fredericton with her and i just forced a bunch of conversation that would actually speak to to like a lack of depth in a relationship and i think i think it's important that people maybe take that pressure off with god like Mm -hmm. that you can actually just be with him and that's the win yeah the win isn't anything said the win is nothing Mm mm-hmm you know, the, the object of the game of solitude is nothing. Right. Which, that's doable. Doable. Yeah. Well, I'll stop there, I guess. Thanks, buddy. Man, thanks for, thanks for jumping in, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening to my, to my uh, solitude spiel. It was great. And we'll have you back on once the Raptors are crowned 2020 bubble back champions. Back to back champs. Yeah. 
Only yeah. a few teams have done it, so they can join the ranks of back-to-back champs. Do you think that that's going to change the narrative at all about them, or do you, st- or, or maybe you're one of the ones because you're not a Raptors fan. You're just, you're just hearing the classic sob story Raptors fan that no one takes us seriously. Um, is what going to change the narrative? If they win back-to-back championships, how do you think okay. that's going to change the narrative of even last year? Here's my, here's my real thought. Okay. If they win it this year, that will be more respected than last year. I think so. Yeah. They I have to hide so. behind Kawhi. I'm worried, though, if they win, and especially if LeBron gets knocked out early, all the, well, it's the bubble championship. No, yeah. no, because Kawhi... I think robs them more of a legit win. They hired their gun. They yeah. hired their big guy. The Warriors were injured. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. But if they win it this year with a bunch of ragtag. Yeah. No superstar. No alpha yeah. male. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, it's a bigger deal. Oh, man. I, I want it. So I want it so bad. I know so you do. I do. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks a ton. No problem, bud. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with AJ and our talk about solitude. If you haven't already, I'd love it if you'd subscribe or like this or share it with a friend. Help us get this platform and this word out to as many people as possible. Have a great week.